The biggest issue that I see is also the thing that I always see first, and that is maybe the video opens with a drone shot. They show beautiful scenery. Here's some trees, here's some nature, here's the venue, here's the bride's dress. Like I literally have watched videos where I'm a minute in and then I finally see it, a human face. <laughs> finally, this is about people. The wedding video is about people. Where are the people? Where are they? Why you gonna try to get mad? Uh, everybody wanna keep up. Uh, don't you know I move too fast? Uh, I'ma zip zip right past. Uh, drip drip all on my swag. Uh, Hey everybody, welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. We have an awesome episode today. Uh, very, very special guest, but before we introduce him, Jason, welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. Oh, thanks for having me on again. My, my show, um, I appreciate you being my first guest every episode. Every episode, and, yeah. and your interview with me, I have to admit, I don't feel like you're putting much into it. Uh, no, no. I mean, I definitely don't edit it. I, I'm probably the only podcast that has the guest. You literally have one question, every episode. <laughs> which is, how, how are you doing? How are you? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> That's it. it's bad. <laughs> anyway, like you said, we have a great guest today. Um, Matt Johnson's going to be on the show. Um, and But before we get to Matt, I just want to tell you guys, today's show is brought to you by The Music Bed. If you want to get a nice little free month head down in the description click on there great service that we use you know what's funny i'll give you my music bed story people complain about the subscriptions do you remember how happy we were when they did a subscription i remember i was doing my budget my yearly budget right around the time when the music bed came out and they said hey here's a subscription it's like whatever it was i think 800 like bucks seven eight hundred bucks and i remember thinking that's gonna save me so much money this year. <laughs> so we we're, were spending ten thousand, twelve thousand dollars a year. Yeah, on on, on music. On, so that's how much we valued it at one point. That we were happy to spend ten thousand dollars. So for you to spend eight hundred, it's a steal. And I'm telling you, it'll elevate your films to use good music. We love the music bed. Of course, there are other services out there, but that's what we use. So check it out if you want a free month down there. Um, anyway, we got Matt Johnson on. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on today. Glad to be here. Yeah. Before we get into today's show, we're going to put you through something that we call three questions. It's like hazing, right? Yeah, it's you really... Haze me? Yeah, it's intense. It's an intense Perfect. time. Um, and so we're going to get into that. So you, you ready to do it? So ready. Okay, so question number one, Matt. What is in your kit? A lot of stuff, and there's... It's one of those, it's, an, it's a uh, matter of contention in our house this, uh, this year because, well, in the past year, the Sony a7S III came out. And so I immediately told my wife, I need to buy a lot of these. I need to buy a lot of this camera. And she was like, okay. And so um, like half the, well, the entire kit is now a7S III's across the board, which is nice. Um, we, we actually invested in three of them because I shoot, my wife shoots, and we film BTSs for all the weddings that we're shooting. Um, some of you guys have some some knowledge about, I'd say. Um, but uh, after going through the hassle of like dealing with BTS shooters that have different cameras with different colors, etc., it was like, why don't we just have them shoot on the same exact camera, and then it's way easier. So we did that, and that's been wonderful. Um, I have a Frankenstein collection of camera lenses, though, which I'm slowly migrating to the native Sony ecosystem over time, but uh, we're not there yet. Definitely not there yet. But uh, depending on when this podcast comes out, the rumors are that Sony may be dropping a 50 millimeter 1.2 
They don't have that already? Sense. I'm not a Sony guy, so I'm like, that's like a staple Canon lens. They don't have that? That's that's nope. pretty dope. That is, and I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, I only use 32-bit float audio now because ears can only hear 32-bit. Yeah. You know, they can't hear anything. That's that's a joke. Okay, no, I still have a ton of Tascam DR10Ls that I throw at anyone and everyone. Do, do you have to give your clients a discount? Uh, for the Tascams? Like, I'm sorry, the... The audio quality is only 24-bit, not 32, <laughs> so we will offer you a... 8-bit, uh, you know, an $8,000 yeah. discount. An 8-bit discount, um, yes, just to <laughs> suffer through. Oh, man. Otherwise, uh, there's a gimbal. There's some handheld stuff. It's it's. There's been a lot of minimize it, minimalism in wedding filmmaking, I feel, and I'm all for that because... I'm getting older and it's hard for me to carry things. And so I'm like, oh man, this is great. I don't have to drag my slider out anymore. This is wonderful. All right, Matt. So question number two is, what is a film that you've done that you are proud of? Okay, I have two answers for you. First of all, with uh, the pandemic, with the lockdown, with all this sort of stuff, all that I can think about and talk about lately has been like traveling to foreign countries, which we haven't done in a long time. And so we shot this wedding in Iceland back in 2018 and I've been telling Rachel like we should go back we could go back we could do the same exact thing and I don't care we could just go do that again and she's like we've already been to Iceland we drove around the country it's fine I'm like no like I'm okay with doing the same thing again that's okay I just need to leave Texas hasn't happened yet but um hopefully hopefully soon my second video is not actually a wedding it was this I like finding like really obscure videos that I can make that answer like a really niche question that people are like, what? But like the people that are looking for it are like, thank you, this is wonderful. And so I literally made this like really dumb short video like how to enable thumbnails on Windows for like 10 bit footage, like super niche, super obscure. But I like, I, I posted this morning and I've got like 50 comments so far. People are like, thank you. I've been looking for this for months now. This is exactly what I needed. I always think that's hilarious to do. All right, Matt. So question number three is, um, do you know what a LUT is? LUTs are like beard oil for your videos. And so they make them real pretty and real shiny. It, I get comments like people saying, hey, we really like your colors in your videos. And I was like, oh yeah, I should probably like sell those as presets at some point. And that was four years ago. <laughs> and so finally I was like, okay, I'll actually put these things together and sell them. And what's cool is that I was able to make some presets that work with even like the newest cameras. So I bought a Canon R5 so I could have footage to test with that. And I bought, well, about three A7S 3s So I got a lot of A7S 3 footage. And the jump to 10-bit for Sony has been fantastic. And so I really wanted to make sure that like, presets would look good with that. Where can people find your LUTs? Are, are they on your website? Yeah, whoismat.com slash LUTs. Cool. I'll take you to the LUTs page. Love it, it, love it. Um, and I actually have looked at your LUTs and they are very nice. They look great. Thanks, buddy. Go buy them. Make him a rich man. Does your wedding filmmaking business offer live streaming? Maybe you're just looking to get into live streaming. Wherever you find yourself today, one of the most overlooked elements of a successful live stream is securing a rock solid connection to your final destination. In that case, you should check out the Live U Solo. The Live U Solo offers bonded cellular streaming, which combines up to four separate internet connections into a single, fully redundant connection. Live stream with confidence to any platform from basically any location. 
This thing is battery powered, they're plug and play, and they're supported by LiveView's innovative LRT service. The LiveView Solo is perfect for any event videographer that needs an easy, on-the-go, reliable stream. Get one today. All right, so Matt, um, so this is me being totally honest with you about you, Matt Johnson. The first time I really ever really heard about you was right when I was like, oh, I'm gonna like like maybe venture right before Vision Quest last year, like mm. that venture of that summer. And I realized that's ridiculous because I know you were doing a lot of YouTube stuff, but I was like, oh, who's this guy? And then like, whatever, but I think it was like, what, two months later, Vision Quest happened? Um, something like that and we met at Vision Quest but like after that I was I was like oh, I'm gonna go check out his content and like I sincerely mean this like I think what you're doing as a um, educator um, is is like significant making really like a big impact on people and and I think so that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because like for us like when you get into an education space and of course we're selling products and YouTube and all that junk. It's easy to get people who are just like clearly cash grabby mm, and yeah. they're not into it for helping people. And like the fact that you're like, I want to make a weird video about a 10 bit thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to say that to get the show going is like, I really appreciate what you do. And I think you're one of Thanks, the good man. ones. So it's a lot of fun just helping people, you know? Yes. Yeah. I, I think um, one of the things that makes our industry really unique is just how tight most people are most people in the industry mm. like if you want to talk to people at the top like yourself like you know alex douglas like you know cherish and Lindsay, like really just people at the top of their game like everyone's pretty tight it's pretty easy to just yeah. reach out and hang out and like get to know people and like we're since we are a small bunch um it's a lot of fun and there's just mm. awesome there's if you want to get plugged into awesome community you totally can like, I, yeah. I think that's uh, an awesome part. That's what I realized at Vision Quest. I haven't been to Venture yet. I think I want to make it out there um, for the next one, potentially, um, just to hang out and, you know, see old friends. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely something I love about kind of what you do and, and, you know, our industry in general. It's uh, a lot of fun, man. Yeah, definitely. We, we talked a little bit about gear, because obviously we're both Wedding Film School and Who Is Matt Johnson talks a lot about gear in general. Um, and, and something that came up was just gas. And if you haven't heard what gas is, if you're at home listening to this and you're like, what are they talking about? I, we, it's just, you get, you have a serious case of gas, which is gear acquisition syndrome. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, you know, being people that love gear, all, all three of us, um, we were like, man, we should really talk about balance, right? Because you mm. can't just have, you know, every piece of gear that comes along you will go broke even if you make a lot of money you will still go broke buying gear every single year you mentioned that you just picked up you know a few new sony a7-3s what kind of drove that decision what were you using before mm -hmm. and kind of what brought you to that place it, it's funny because i'm always trying to be mindful of what the reason is that i want new gear and there's a difference between it being like, oh, this is the shiny new thing. I need to get it. And this will actually help me make films better. Uh, for example, the uh, new uh, DJI FPV drone recently got announced. And yeah. that thing looks so cool. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. <laughs> like, I have 
absolutely zero need for a drone that will fly 87 miles per hour. But do I want it? Oh my gosh, yes, I want it. Oh man, I texted my friends like 8 a.m. as soon as the thing got announced. And he's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I, I don't really want that. And then he messaged me again 10 minutes later, and it was just a screenshot of his B&H cart saying that it had like been purchased. And I was like, <laughs> you're sending me mixed messages here. Okay, I love it, though. I think it's great. I think that looks so fun that I would take a trip to Arizona just to fly it. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, but I have to look at it. I'm like, is this going to help me film weddings? Is this going to make my films better? No. It's not like nobody needs. Okay. I would love to see an FPV wedding. Like that's like legit shot. Like shoot all with an FPV drone. It'd be incredible. (laughs) Um, Figure out the audio somehow with like those motors buzzing around you. Oh my gosh. But like it, it, I, it's not going to help. Like, I'm not going to ask my wife like, Hey, can we buy this thing? Cause it's not, we don't need it. So (laughs) I I was going to ask you. So, you know, it's not going to help me film better weddings, AKA my wife will never let me buy it. (laughs) Right. Well, because Rachel shoots with me and she works with me and like, she's the one that's doing the majority of the editing now and things like that. So like so much of like the wedding video stuff is like collaborative between the two of us. And so she's kind of my grounding anchor there that keeps me from like, Hey, we really, we need to buy all of these. Like we need to buy everything. She's like, no, like, you don't need you don't need the new Sony A1. You don't need 8K. But like we could get it. Yeah, we could, but we don't need that. Like okay. So well, you're using a word that we use a lot cuz we run a different business model than you, but I think at the end of the day like there's a massive amount of cost that goes yep. with being so you're never going to get away like spending nothing on your gear. That's a mistake. Yep. But but I think the idea of do I need something so let, mm. talk a little bit about like, how does someone know when they need something? Even like the idea of a better film is always an amorphous blob to me. It's like better yeah. to who, you yeah. know? Like, so how do we know? There are general industry trends that you need to look at and also like personally how you shoot. So if we're talking general industry trends, the jump to 4K, for example, like the amount of people that are saying like, 1080 is fine, you don't need 4K. That group is growing smaller and smaller and like, more and more people are like, okay, 4K really is awesome. Everything's getting shot in 4K. Every, a lot more things are being delivered in 4K. People are asking about 4K. Like, whenever grandma's like, should I get a 4K TV? You're like, okay, crap, 4K's here. We probably need to, like, consider this here to mm-hmm. some degree. It's it's not 100% there yet. Like, 1080 is still a great thing, but it's it's moving in that direction. So you want to, like, keep trends with the industry there. I, I spoke at an event in New York in 2017, I want to say. And I had a woman come up to me and she's like, I'm still shooting on tape. Do you think I should buy a DSLR? And I was like, it's time. I got to tell you, I think it's time. Probably should do that. And she, was like, she would be in the group of like, the laggards. <laughs> Exactly, but like there, like there literally are still people that comment on my YouTube videos, like buy a real film camera. DSLRs aren't it, and I'm like, are you, uh, you, you sure? You sure about that? Like, okay, like it's it's real weird, man. So like, follow industry trends. The other thing is, is like, you personally, is this gear going to help you shoot better films? And like that can be, you know, sort of an amorphous thing, like you were saying, like, ooh, better cinematography. What the heck does that mean? 
but like for me, I'm looking for things that are going to make my job easier. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, I now get 10 bit with the A7S3. So color grading is significantly easier. I'm saving many hours of time, like fighting with skin tone colors and things like that. I now can just do a few tweaks and my colors look awesome. Yep. Love that. Um, other features like, oh, does this camera have IBIS now? Okay, that's gonna make me shooting. E that's gonna make shooting on me easier because now, back in the day, I was like, I gotta lug my monopod around, and so we're always stabilized. Now it's like, oh, I can shoot handheld. This <laughs> is making my life easier on a twelve-hour wedding shoot. There, there's a lot of things you need to look at for yourself that are like, this may not make the film like, oh, it looks prettier, but like for your work life and your workflow. It, it can be completely worth it to upgrade in that reason. Yeah, I would say that kind of goes with our reason internally, which is, does it solve a problem? Mm. Does it solve a problem? Is there a problem I'm having that this solves? You know, like, and usually it's a, a, a risk aversion problem, like mm. mitigating risk, mitigating failure points, like creating your like safety. Because like we all know, you don't get do-overs in weddings, so I will always recommend an upgrade that gives you redundancy that creates safe, like more safety. Every shot, if yeah. I run in a room, okay, IBIS does that. Having IBIS protects you when you're like, oh, do I have time to go balance this gimbal, blah, blah, blah. It's not a replacement. They're not even close to the same shot, but it's a different shot, but you need it. <clears throat> you know, 32-bit uh, float to some level. It's a safety thing. Um, dual card slots yeah. on camera to record redundancy. Yep. Awesome. Love well, it. All that stuff is... If you're looking at your workflow, where am I exposed in my workflow? Mm -hmm. And can I tell you the number one thing that cheeses me when it comes to wedding filmmakers? This drives me nuts. They're so cheap with their storage. <laughs> like they will drop like $20,000 on a camera rig and then they'll be recording on a single two disc RAID zero, no redundancy. And then I show them a thing. I'm like, oh, this is a great thing. It's $3,500 for like, 20 terabytes and it's like really fast and awesome and they're like no way so expensive like literally like scoff at you it's like that is part of your kit guys <laughs> like you need and i think so anything that's solving a problem giving you more safety like you're running a business you you're not running a multi-million dollar business by the way most people cannot afford to return someone's money for their wedding yep that's what's at stake yeah. with bad gear i remember when we first started in 2010 and looking back, I'm like, there were so many, like, do you remember, Matt, did you ever film on the Canon 5D Mark II at all? Do you remember that camera? I, yeah, yeah, I bought a Canon 7D okay. instead of the 5D Mark II. Loser. At, yeah, at a recommendation because at the time in 2009, the 5D Mark II did not shoot 24p. Only the 7D did. Yes. And so yes, that was like a right. firmware update that came like a year later. Yes. And so I was like, dang it, I could have bought the 5D. And all these people are like, oh, you're not shooting full frame. And I'm like, sorry about that. <laughs> I actually got 24 <laughs> Yeah. 12-minute record times, though, right? And mm -hmm. the, think about all the, the restrictions that we had. Like, we were editing in Final Cut Pro 7 at the time. And, and just, like, what we had to do to just, like, Get the there was no auto on sync. the hard drive. No auto save. Like all no, these. No auto saves. sync either. So you had yep. to like literally. Do you remember eyeing the waveforms? Yep. <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah. Pluralized didn't exist. All these things. It's never been easier to be a filmmaker than it is right now, and that's mainly due 
to the gear, right? And it just made filming weddings cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And most people, as far as I know, aren't lowering their prices over time. So, you know, it is an industry trend that everyone's making, the, the, ideally making more money. If I buy a Fuji X-T4 rig, I'll have way more capability than if I shot on my way more expensive Canon 5D Mark II rig. Mm-hmm. That was a way more expensive rig. That was like a what $20,000 rig we'd show up with yeah. easily when you mm-hmm. add all the crap together. And now you can show up with like $6,000 of Fuji gear and get like 10-bit 4K60 with IBIS. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. you know, that's not even looking at something as incredible as like a Sony A1, you know? So I think I think I think when you're looking at gear, you know, you you mentioned some really good points and 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 I think ultimately like I think it's okay sometimes to buy something because it's fun too. Sure. You know, like I think it's okay, but like don't I call need that it. FPV drone. Yeah, you need, need it. it. You need it because <laughs> it will give you life in your art, and that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, um, but at the same time, I mean, we we talked about it recently. Like Matt, we just sold twelve five D Mark fours and Mark threes. Like we've had those cameras for and used them. Like they were our yeah. workhorses for six years something like that yeah and like what is the balance i i mean we we have full like black magic kits and and then we have our full fuji kits too so we we dabble but as far as like our main workhorse cameras i mean that was it for years and we were like no no we're gonna hold off another year we're gonna hold off another i've year. never delivered because uh, that's just profit right but yeah this is what i would say to people i'm sure you would do this as well matt but like no matter what don't replace your gear. Don't replace a camera body unless you've had it for three years. That's oh, my yeah. personal rule. Mm, like yeah. financially speaking is like, I need my lenses to be a five year investment. And that's how we do it. And if you're doing your accounting and our, my camera bodies are three year investment. And like, I mean, my, I came, I upgraded the a7S three from the a7S two. So that was literally yeah. five years. Yeah. And wow. people were like, you got the, a, you got the a7 three, right? Nope. Just, if I had known it was going to take this long, I would have upgraded the a7 III. But I'm like, ah, oh, the a7 III is probably coming real soon. And then, like, three years later, I'm like, it's it's probably still coming. And someday, <laughs> I hope. Oh, my gosh. Well, oh. and, and your client still paid you. So. Oh, yeah. You know, and, like, that's what people need to realize is, like, I think it's okay to do something for you when you want to do it. If you can afford it, makes it more fun, whatever. But do be honest when it's not like, like you said, keeping up with industry trends is important. Doing things just because you want to do them, I think that'll help you when you when you start thinking about your gear as an investment that's supposed to be mm. returning on that investment. It'll help you like not. I know a guy who would switch. Remember he switched from Canon to Nikon to Fuji can, to Canon. Fuji to Canon again mm-hmm. within four years. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, this guy's nuts. He can't be making any money. So in terms of the gear, do you feel like like we're finally hitting a point where like the idea of like gear is kind of like gear is getting out of the way and now people mm. are just like whoever they are as creators is who they are? I mean, that's a really positive, hopeful thought to have definitely like, oh man, people are getting out of the way, getting all their uh, thoughts about gear out of the way and they're finally focusing on the art and the true creativity and the style. And it's... Ugh. To some degree, but I still see way too many drone shots in wedding videos that people are like, oh, it looks cool. I had to put it in. I'm like, okay, like it, that happens a lot. I still see a lot of shots that people do just because 
they're like, this is a cool thing for me to do. I got I to gotta do the cool shot. Vortex like, spins on their, <laughs> on their gimbal. I, I don't do think Vortex. I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a couple. If, at WPPI, there was like a ton of those. Like, woo, 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 just spinning shots, which is fine. Like, I, I think there's a time and a place for that, but mm. not just because you can do it. I guess I would say this, Matt. That's just revealing that these people are, they have a lot of work to do on their art. Like, people sure. can't. They can't make an excuse anymore about their gear. Gear is no longer an excuse. Like the gear is so mm. easy to use. It's so affordable. It's moving into a place like when you were shooting in the old Mark II days, uh, everything's manually focused and mm. it's freaking wicked expensive. And like <clears throat> you had a million and you didn't have any slow-mo. Do you think about that? We shot for six years, 24P only. Hey, that's why I bought the 7D, see? Yep. Had, had 60. At 720p, yep. mm, crispy, <laughs> yes. But like you look at that stuff and it's like, now it's like everyone's camera can do everything. And so you can't blame your camera. 100%. And you said it too, Matt, like minimalism is in right now, right? And and like mm. going handheld, like we, we just bought our Fujis last year and we developed a whole nother product that's just fully handheld it was completely different mm. from our tripod monopod you know slider kind of get up and um i've definitely i think i've found that to be the case myself jay i haven't really thought about it like how minimum just getting the right piece of gear making it smaller is really making it so that you can think less about the gear because you know the gear is just going to work it's less double checking and you know mm. hopefully I mean, I think that has to do with a lot of young filmmakers kind of pouring into the industry, which I think is really kind of positive. Let's talk about that really quick. Young filmmakers, what's next in the industry? Because I'm like, I, I'm 38. I feel like I'm like slowly just becoming very uncool. Um, You're on the way out. It's true. I mean, it's been going for a while. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm seeing like, you know, like this year. Not that they're young, but they're. I think they created a young style, like. I mean, they're young. He's young at heart, Alex and Whitney. But, like, they they make the list of Harper's Bazaar, right? Finally, mm. a wedding filmmaker who's doing something, like, not to say, like, the other people on the list aren't creating interesting art. But, like, I wonder if that's, like, a sign of, like, it's okay to be weird now. I, I think that people are getting more comfortable with that. And we're getting away from this sort of very manicured like glossy here's this wedding this is what it should be this is what it needs to look like and i think that like people watching youtube has helped with that i think that people watching like vlogs has helped with that i think that the whole trend of instagram and everything else people like oh i gotta have authentic real like people don't want that sort of veneer of hollywood gloss they they want like show me the real stuff show me the gritty stuff and the ridiculous stuff and so like for us like i've started putting more just ridiculous things in my in our videos. And I had a friend literally send me this clip they shot at this wedding. And it's like the groom's uh, brother running up to the couple like completely butt naked. <laughs> and it's just like, is this gonna be in the video? You know, like this is like what is happening now, but it's just like the most weird, like random, like that would never be in some like high or glossy like wedding video. Like, oh, this isn't prim and proper, but it's like, okay. Like I feel like audiences now are like, I can handle some weird stuff. Yeah, okay. Show me some show me some stuff. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think it just means like if you're getting into the industry, I think this is like the best time ever to get going in the industry cuz you can still make like the Larev polished luxury product. You can make the arts house kind of sculpting with time product. 
you can make the hipster product you can make the like irreverent like there's so much so much opportunity to make what it's you want you want to do it yeah. is yeah. there's a market for it and the gear is so accessible now it, it used to be it felt like it used to be when you get in the industry it's like you start at like these ballroom weddings and at like yeah. the marriott right and you're mm -hmm. like okay i'm gonna deal with terrible lighting all day it's gonna be oranges and then blue you know <laughs> outdoor lighting you're competing with each other all day and i'm gonna make the worst film of all time and then you kind of work your way up and then eventually you're moving to like nicer venue after nicer you venue. you finally venue. earned good light you finally earn your good, good light <laughs> yeah that's true uh and then you're doing these luxury weddings and now you can finally do a good wedding film right mm. and i feel like that is changing with just i mean creativity changes that completely it's like gives it a complete curveball where it's like now people are like no you don't have to have a luxurious wedding on the coast of you know Newport, Rhode Island with sailboats in the background in order to create a good wedding film. It's just like, you know, find the couple, pitch the vision, and you can do a cool, really neat wedding video that's just super creative because the market is there for it. Um, yeah. I I'm, think more than ever. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested, Matt, to hear your take on this. Um, how do you feel YouTube is influencing wedding films now? Mm. Man, that's good. That's real good. I feel like for the longest time, Vimeo had such a stranglehold on the wedding video market, especially where people are like, I got to post to Vimeo. Like I'm always posting my videos to Vimeo. It's like, okay. And it was almost like uh, there was, that goes back to that sort of glossy, you know, like this is what a wedding film should be. Look, it was like, I'm watching wedding films and it almost feels like they're trying to be like Vimeo staff picks or something like that. Like, okay, what are we trying to do with, with this here and I feel like YouTube has really democratized that and for better or for worse whenever you finish like it could be the best wedding video ever like YouTube's gonna pop up some suggestions and if it's me it's like Coco Melon like you all watch some fun and games Ugh. like let's watch some I hate Coco Melon Mary so had much. A little lamp. let's watch some Mary Had a Little Lamp like so you lose that like <laughs> No, stay in my glossy high-end art ecosystem. Like, nope, gotta click away and watch some sheep or something. Just the most random crap. But like, I love that that there's just a. It's not just this like niche like art bubble anymore. It's like this is the internet. You're on it here. Watch this stuff, and you have to compete more. Like, you have to make videos that really grab people's attention. And if you don't do that people are going to click away. Well, it's interesting is like Jared and I don't ever post our videos to YouTube. Mm. Like we do not do YouTube as a company. We you never scared? have. I, we, <laughs> we've started to more. We, once did, a year we do it. We like go, we have a we'll week do, where we do our publishing. We just go yeah. through and publish mm. our films. Well, so I have a story about that this last year that, oh, geez. and I just, I lost all heart, Matt. <laughs> yeah, so we, we posted to Vimeo, and Vimeo has this brand new feature about where you post to Vimeo and it automatically posts to YouTube, right? And uh, it was great. We were like, all right, we have this new feature. Now we can finally be... I don't be... even really think we knew what it did, really. We we're, never used it. No, we were like, we can finally be YouTubers, and we can post our wedding films to YouTube because we're this posting to Vimeo. You know, this is technology. It's automation. The robots are coming. Great. Um, so we were like, all right, let's do this. We post to Vimeo, it's private on YouTube, not so private. 
And so the bride literally Apparently like, it doesn't inherit the permissions. No, it doesn't inherit. Well, you can, but we didn't know this because we're dumb <laughs> or something. And so we posted it and literally, I think it was like the next day or two days later, the bride is like, why did you post my wedding film to YouTube without my permission? And we were like, I've what? never had that problem before. I was like, what in the world? First of all, why are you upset about that? Like, it's your wedding film. Like, we can post it to our website if you wanted. You signed an NDA. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. We we don't. <laughs> we didn't. And so she was she was upset. But she was more upset that we didn't send it to her right away. And mm. typically, I like to just review our films before we send them out because our editor, Kyle, is amazing. But um, just to peek through it and make sure it kind of matches up with the conversations that I've had with Brad. So she was very upset. So that kind of took the wind out of my YouTube sales. And we, we've been, you know, <laughs> since everything See, is hinging on me doing a lot of it, I, I just haven't really. Actually, on a good advice standpoint, I will say you don't need to do everything. And we were like, we're doing a lot. We don't need to try to do this. We are aware, though, and I will say this on the other side, you might need to do that. <laughs> so yeah. you might, that might become the thing you have to do to be a, like booked as a wedding, especially if you're new and starting out. I don't know. Uh, it's the second biggest uh, search engine in the world, yeah. YouTube. Uh, on a good advice standpoint, to use your terminology, um, can we talk about um, wedding film critiques, Matt? Because it's something that you've done for a really long time, faithfully and really well. Um, it's also kind of a legacy of wedding film school and something that we've inherited, um, you know, from Craig and, and uh, previous um, bearers of the wedding film school torch. Um, what, you just mentioned it, talking about <laughs> drone footage in, in every wedding film. Um, what are some main things that you see beginner filmmakers do that kind of stand out and you're like, these are things that you should be avoiding as a new filmmaker. Biggest one by far, aside from the overuse of drone footage, which is pretty egregious at times. Um, the biggest issue that I see is also the thing that I always see first. And that is, I get these videos that I'm start watching where they show beautiful scenery. Maybe the video opens with a drone shot. And then we've got, here's some trees, here's some nature, here's the venue, here's the bride's dress, here's the rings, here's the flowers, here's some empty chairs. <laughs> also, here's the gazebo, the arbor, here's a random cow in the field. We've got it all here. And like, I literally have watched videos where I'm a minute in, a minute and a half in. Usually it's like 30 to 40 seconds though. It's like this sweet Honestly, spot of, Matt, yeah. I was gonna say, 40 seconds, yeah. 40 seconds. Yeah, it's 40 seconds. And then I finally see it, a human face, yeah. <laughs> finally. And sometimes it's not even a human face. Sometimes they'll be like, it'll show like a hand. It'll be yeah. like a close up like somebody's hand or like a ring, sure. like with a hand or like the back of someone's head. I'm like, this is about people. The wedding feels <laughs> about people. Where are the people? Where are they? And so like, it, it really bugs me because I, I get it. Like, it's so, you know, hey, we're wedding videographers. We Like, the couple spend a lot of money on those details. By all means, show them. But if you're trying to, like, make me want to watch a video, the quickest way to just kill all of my interest in watching the video is to make me look at, like, place settings. And here's a nice <laughs> vase. Okay, cool. It's a vase. Like, show me that before the reception. That's fine. But, like, what? get to the video. 
when we do our when we did our seven mistakes, that was my mistake. It's like we did yep. a podcast on hey mistakes what wedding filmmakers make, and mine was like just being obsessed with these stupid detail shots. Like when yep. you're young, like or new, maybe not young, but new, you're like, wow, I can finally explore a new world of the a really close shot of a flower. <laughs> <laughs> or you got you got your 50 millimeter 1.2 and you're like look at the depth of field it's so cinematic boca and boca and then you're filming sailboats on a mantle and you're like look at this beautiful you just shot. like roll focus from one <laughs> stupid sailboat to the next I, sailboat i think the most egregious was my second shooter we had recently upgraded to sony from this is we started with canon 70 and mm. I bought a Sony FS100 and he bought a Sony FS700. And the main key point of the FS700 is it shoots 240 frames per second. Beautiful, crispy 1080p imagery to which we clearly realized we should shoot everything in 240 <laughs> frames per second. Why would we ever not? <laughs> and so I remember we shot this wedding and it was like out in the Texas countryside. And I want to say I started that wedding video with a solid 30 seconds of just rolling pasture land. Like... <laughs> Me driving 70 miles per hour down some back road and him filming out the window, just like cows going by and trees and grass and like all at 240 FPS, which is really slow. It was like a 40 minute long film. Like Philip Bloom made those videos where he was like uh, driving through the city of London. He did one in Vegas and it's super pretty because it's 240 FPS, like a thousand FPS. And it's these people just walking down the street. And it's super interesting because you're seeing all these people moving slowly. This video was the exact opposite of that. <laughs> because it was just empty fields. And I remember I got that video critiqued. And they were like, like by a wedding videographer, friend of mine. And they were like, what is happening? And I'm like, I, I, FS700, man, you got to show that, show that slow-mo. Slow-mo oh. equals good. I, that's actually another one is I think like too much slow-mo and too much gimbal. Those are yep. like, like, and it's not that those are bad things. I think you could make an entire film in slow-mo and be good, an entire film on a gimbal and be good. Like tough, harder, but I think you could do it. I think it's like lack of intentionality with how yep. you use your equipment. It's like unthoughtful shooting. Like just – not planning anything. There's no concept. Of, it's just like, I got a tool. I need to show that it can do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like working out with just like one arm and just pumping that one arm. You have a huge Whoa. gimbal arm. <laughs> That's your one skill you're good at. And then the other skills are just like garbage. Like we, we've, and we've done a couple that are just full gimbal and it's like, he's a good gimbal operator, but it's boring. Cause it's just all gimbal, you know? And that comes back to, gear acquisition syndrome too mm -hmm. where yeah. you're like I bought this gimbal I gotta use it and so you're like I gotta use it a lot in this video mm -hmm. bought the FS700 I need to shoot everything in slow motion now. totally everything. no you really don't like what one shot's plenty if you you don't even have to use that one shot if you don't want to you could not and yeah. it might be okay and, and part oh, of being yeah. a good filmmaker is understanding nuance i mean that that's that's really what like i think a lot of what being a good filmmaker is yep. and knowing when the right moment is to use the tool i think that's when you know so, that you're going places as a filmmaker. i was watching hard target the other night with john claude van damme mm, and that was, what year is that oh i, I want to say like 94 okay but that was john woo like old school john woo and like 
cheesy movie. But like, you know what John Woo did awesome? His use of 48 and 24, when he'd be going mm. back and forth between 48 and 24, like, you know what I want to see in slow motion? A spinning split kick by Jean-Claude Van Damme. I don't want to see everything in slow motion. I want to see the kick. And it's like, that's stupid and cheesy, but like, it, if it, it's just no filmmakers make films the way that wedding filmmakers make films. Like, mm. like because wedding filmmakers have no sense of pace. They don't understand mm. creating dramatic tension. They, they just do one thing and they think it's cool. And I think, by the way, this isn't a criticism like quit doing it. You're a loser. Stop making films. Cause like you can make a great living being pretty mediocre and I think that's okay. Like for you, but if you're looking to get better and you're trying to improve, like figuring out like how do I be intentional and actually like use things for a reason and it's okay if you only do it, like you said, once or twice or not at all. <laughs> I, Jason, I really like that because you started to drift to like full on Northeastern or like mm, you suck, I had this is calibrate. terrible and then you're like, oh crap. Um, what I really mean is <laughs> maybe be nicer and maybe don't do that so much and that'll be more helpful to all yeah. of us. I'm like, wow, Jason's growing. This is so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, we, we, we often, we often uh, you know, I work with young people all the time and I realize like they can't take it. They can't take it. Jared, you go talk to them. <laughs> so, so good. Jared though, it's like often we'll say to guys like exactly what you said. Like th actually there's one shooter we have and he's like, Oh, he hates faces. He hates faces. <laughs> he always <laughs> because he hates people. Yeah. Hates people. Hates people. Loves his like pans from the ceiling to the, mm. you know, bride in the chair. And I'm like, no one wants to feel that. Motion. I think and you just, have to be you have to be very cognizant of what the bride and groom want, mm. and especially like what shots are flattering and what people are like. Oh, oh I'm that's glad you said really that. Good. Okay, great. Because if not, like it's not a good shot. Like don't don't use it. Um, I remember that going back to like gear stuff and all. I bought. Uh, no, I this was way way pre me actually doing anything with like YouTube in terms of like any of the momentum that I have now, but I made a review of this Canova camera slider that I still use, by the way, for YouTube videos and I don't bring it to weddings. But I somehow got in with this company and they were like, we want to send you some stuff and you make reviews of it. So it's like my earliest reviews are maybe making like reviews of this like camera slider, but they sent me one of those tabletop dollies, but <laughs> oh, it's like, man. it weighs about the same as a car. <laughs> and it's just massive and it had like a laser pointer. It was super cool. Um, I tried to actually sell it on Instagram like three months ago and nobody would buy it. So I was like, okay, nobody wants this thing. Whatever. I'll give you a hundred dollars to take it. No, yeah, take it. Just somebody those. take this away from me. Uh, like there's no like young, hungry filmmakers out there. Like, Oh yeah, I want a tabletop dolly. They're like, no, nah, I don't, I don't need that. No, I'm good. Um, but I like brought it to a wedding and I was like, I need to use this. And I remember like my oh, concept man. was I'm going to put it on the side of the dance floor and do these low shots of showing people's feet or like filming up their faces from like down low, which is like looking back, it's the least flattering shot you could ever use. You know, it's just like there's people's heads up there. I see them in the distance. <laughs> Here's some feet down here. Like none of it looks good. I don't, but I, that, that, that was a thing for a few weddings. Jared always says, when he's doing like internal critiques and actually when he doesn't feel, he always goes, that's not flattering to the bride, which mm -hmm. literally you would, it, it, it can be a good shot in every way, 
but it's a bad shot if the Brad, bride doesn't look flattering. It's a bad shot if the groom do, yep. doesn't look flattering. You are creating something like lifestyle art where a person needs to, they want to look dope. People yeah. want to look cool in the wedding film. They want to look beautiful. The whole reason, whole reason they're buying, they're booking a video yep. and photo is like, this is uh, this is the best I'm gonna look in my entire life. Mm -hmm. M capture that, like yep. make me look good. Yeah, both both of those worlds um, exist in the same space where it's like mm -hmm. you, the bride wants to look a very certain way, but then also you know it's 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 not about you creating your own kind of film. It's about creating a film that the bride is going to like. But if you create something that the bride is going to like, more than likely the film is going to be overall great as well. So it's yeah. like, you know, like the butt shot. I always hate the butt shot. And, you know, that's probably a personal thing. And for me, doing like critiquing films is something that's new to me mm -hmm. on YouTube. It's not new to me on the back end because I critique our shooters all the time. Um, but the butt shot is one thing that I'm like, I can't stand the butt shot where it's like looking at a low angle of the bride as she's like, walking by or like mm. you know her butt is like right in the shot while she's dancing i'm like no bride is gonna like that angle specifically and that that's just understanding like composition yeah. that's and understanding lenses yeah because yep. i know that like sharon calafiore one of like her one of my favorite films that she's made has like a scene where the groom is like biting the bride's butt but like it builds up to that moment and it's like this is this is it like yep. I think the still of that video is like the groom biting her butt, but it's like, this is, this is what we're building up to. Okay, yeah. cool. And I love that. Well, but, it, that's a story yeah. about the couple. Yes. Exactly. That's the, She's not thinking about, oh, my butt looks so big there. She's thinking that's <laughs> hilarious. It's awesome. That's, I love it. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, like the hardest part when I look at like young new filmmakers is like, somebody told me the other day I was, I did a critique and I'm like, this is not a good song. It's just not good. Like, it doesn't work. It has bad sounding digital strings. Sounds cheap. And also, this is in a minor key. And these people are literally talking about partying. This is a party, Southern people. And you're doing this minor key song with cheap, crappy, fake strings. That's a lot to unload on somebody. That's what I would say to my guy. I'd be like, what the heck are you doing, dude? Fix this. It sounds like terrible. But like this guy, he honestly was like, oh, this is a great song. I'm gonna pick a great song. And so I will say to someone like, be okay making really bad mistakes. Sure. It's great to get feedback and it's okay. Like you are gonna make, like you were, when you were telling about your uh, Dolly, what, do you remember the, <laughs> the um, Red Rock Micro one man crew? Yep, yep. We brought. Classic. We used to bring that to weddings. Put it on the dance floor side. Just, just slowly going back and forth, just on the side. So like, it was like we'll catch that occasionally. Don't you worry. Like, You'll see a, a, a centimeter of motion on our wide shot <laughs> on the, the sixteen to thirty-five. Like we offer. Uh, you start offering like. No, our dock edits are full dock edits. It literally <laughs> rolls the entire reception. Yes. You will see every person dancing. Yes. The entire time. But just, like. We've done all kinds of stupid stuff sure, like that. Sure. And it's like, it's cool. Like the first song we ever used in our wedding films, we tell this story all the time, literally had a line about getting high on your own supply. Like mm, yep. just stupid stuff that we did. And it's okay. Like, but you do make a lot of like mistakes when you're starting out. And that is, I, that's why I love what you're doing with the critiques because like mm. people can look at that and be like, oh, it kind of made me feel bad. I mean, I would say Matt's kind of earned it because he's made himself feel bad for many years. <laughs> I, I feel like you can definitely critique more if you've 
already made those mistakes yourself and you're like no no listen i did this for years don't it, you shouldn't do it trust me you'll understand in a while yep yep like and the, the even like if you didn't make a mistake of course like finding people who have strengths in these areas like who they're just sick at certain things like who knows if alex douglas ever made a bad wedding film who knows <laughs> like i don't know like I even saw like the hand footage he shot of him and his wife. And I'm like, this is better than any film I've ever made. You got to so, go back to his, the Vimeo page and start digging back through the archives. Like there's gotta be crap back here somewhere. I know it. Hold on. Let me <laughs> oh, dang it. It just, it just never happened. Like, okay. But, but like every once in a while there, like, there are people like that. But I think at the end of the day, like there, we, you had mentioned it before. There are so many open giving people in the wedding film community. And, like if you're listening to this and we kind of like you're like oh man I do all that and I feel I kind of feel bad, like I would say you don't need to because most of us we were not shooting on all the great gear you were so our films were way worse. <laughs> <laughs> hey Matt, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on the show and like you know we definitely are big supporters of the channel so it means a lot that you'd come on and hang out. Yeah, glad to be here. So it's a lot of fun. Everybody knows who is Matt. YouTube channel, website. Tell everybody, where can they look at your wedding films? Wedding films are available at filmstrong.com because that is the wedding video company that I started way before YouTube got bigger. But honestly, we're posting all the wedding films to my YouTube channel now. So basically, if you search Who Is Matt on anything, I'm there except for uh, TikTok, which I was not quick enough to get the Who Is Matt. Who has that? <sighs> some kid. Some I, punk. I, yeah. We'll some find him. Well, some, some Gen Z, I'm sure, taking taking my username because I was too slow to jump on the bandwagon. Ah. Also, Twitter. I don't I don't I don't really post Twitter. You don't, often, you don't Twitter. I don't tweet that often. But there was a like I tried to get the username for Who Is Matt, and there's another Who Is Matt who posts really inappropriate jokes. It's not me, I promise. <laughs> um, yeah, my friend's grandma was following that other one, and he's like, she's like, Matt's posting some weird stuff, and my friend's like, that's not him. No, unfollow that guy. That's not. It happens. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. Um, if you enjoyed this very long YouTube video, then I would encourage you to like, subscribe, and do all the YouTube stuff. Um, I don't need to explain that to you because, you know, you're addicted to YouTube, so you know how it works. But thanks for checking out the Wedding Film School show.